Slope, as you can hear, Harry has sacked off the hosting duties and he's abandoned us after a, a weekend in Edinburgh. As those who follow us on Instagram will have seen, we were all together at the weekend. Everyone, everyone in good spirits still after a good win for the Highbees on Saturday. I'm just that was more than a loss of Jake Doyle Hayes after half an hour, to be honest. <laughs> good, well, we're all good, though, eh? Uh, all good, all good. Right. Well, Hibs kick-started the post-split campaign with three vital points against St Mirren uh, on Saturday. Ryan, for me, that was potentially the first half, potentially the best we've played all season. Aye, I would agree with you there. Some of the football that was on display was very nice to watch. Slick passing moves, everyone was quite quick. Off the ball, we were phenomenal. Um, unfortunately, the second half, kind of, that game encapsulated what we've been over the course of the season, up and down, and it was kind of all put into two halves of football. Yeah. Liam, were you a bit, not to be too negative, but were you a bit disappointed that maybe we weren't more than two up at halftime? Maybe, aye, because I, I think the chances were there for us, uh, so really from the point at which we went 2-0 up. Um, we did create a couple of decent chances, and I think our superiority in the game overall probably... Was 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 well, the reward of that probably should have been, um, I should should have been that we were more than two goals in front. And Greg, so do you, you are you sort of with with Liam there, or do you uh, do you go align yourself with Stephen Robinson's way of thinking that it was just two mistakes and that was the difference in the game? You can make mistakes in a game and not be punished for them. I mean, he's talking absolute nonsense to be honest. I mean. The two goals that we scored, we, we were on them. You know, we, we attacked the ball, we we, we done well. I also thought we'd done the fundamentals well in the first half. Um, Not the I know everyone loves that. Um, but I actually did think that when Jake Dalhaze went off, we maybe missed that. But he was very neat and tidy on the ball. He was he was offloading it. Um, so, yeah, no, I was impressed. But second half, maybe could have been more clinical. There's a bit of a good chance, but also we've done enough and... Maybe they'd lose a silly goal, but we'd, we'd done enough in the game to deserve the win. Stephen Robbins I... must be watching a different game to me. I know I called Greg out for changing his, uh, changing his mind on after the St Johnston game. Um, but, you know, coming out of the game, I was very much of the, oh, that second half was shite. But then when I thought about it, even after St Mirren scored, I don't really remember them having another chance. But I still think we were fairly comfortable and I remember actually looking over at the top of the stand, and I think it said like 87 minutes or something. I was like, oh, right, that's sort of flown in. Like, I know they had a lot of the ball and stuff, but I never, Liam, I never got the sense that another goal for St. Mirren was coming. Uh, I think I, th I think I have that natural warrior um, kind of mindset when it comes to most things in life, but especially when it comes to Hibs. So I, I did, I, I was a wee bit worried, maybe potentially about a ball. It was just lumped into the box, dropping it to someone, just think, because obviously aerially for their goal, we didn't deal with that particularly well. It was just, there was a bit of nervousness that something might drop them, but I agree that they didn't really create a chance. Um, but there's always that thing of sometimes you only need one chance, as the cliche goes, yeah, and, yeah, uh, and and something might just have broken to them in the box late in the game and they got something from it. But to, to be honest, we we were comfortable. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was very much a professional skiing out of the game in my eyes. Do you think, um, I'll open this to anyone who wants it, do you think we've seen over the last three games a little bit more defensive solidity than we have maybe throughout the year? So I think so obviously the goal that we conceded at the weekend wasn't great, but other than that, we never really got cut open. Their only other chance just came from a mad deflected cross that sort of took the centre-backs out of the game. Defended really well in the second half at St Johnston. Are we, are we impressed with the sort of back four currently? I am. Um I think the goal on Saturday is disappointing, but as a whole, um, much better. I think when Will Fetch plays with Paul Hanlon, it's um, a totally different sort of defensive partnership you see. I think as well, I sort of picked up on this, that Egan Riley sometimes goes in the middle of the pitch as well when he's at, when he's at fullback, which I like. Um, 
it sort of floods the midfield and gives us more bodies in there. So I think as a defensive unit as a whole, we're, we're much better at the moment. Um, and listen, Will Fish has had a, an unbelievable turnaround and it's another goal for him this season, which is which is always good. Yeah, Ryan, Will Fish obviously has goal well, but Ellie, you are early in the game. Real, real good finish. Oh, absolutely. Um, and again, I, I've harped on about this for weeks, but it shows you the importance of doing the, the right things off the ball. But she does to create the chance for himself, creates a bit of pressure in the centre half and takes his opportunity very well because he has to cover a distance before he even gets to shooting range and he finishes it perfectly in the corner. And we can't ask for more than that. He's been fairly clinical in that situation. He hasn't hesitated. Yeah, no, it's a really good finish. I think for me, but you are, that's the difference now from four or five months ago. Like, Maybe even the game in January, Greg at Tynecastle, he was running through mm. really not going to score. I think someone behind me said that ah, he's missed, he's missed. And I was like, ah, there we go. Easy <laughs> days. Posting in. <laughs> it was funny, Graham, that I go to the game, but he was the same. He's like, oh, he's not going to score, is he? And then it was like, oh, he got lucky with the finish. <laughs> but it's like, great it finish. Just, it's it's a great more, finish. It more, I think it was more just the, like, oh, fuck, he's actually scored, thank God. Like, you know, like the emotions of. Uh, but you do have that. I had the same feeling when Nisbet was running through against Aberdeen. It was like they have so much time, but it was a real good finish. Right, let's move into the first question of the day. Now, I'm just going to sort of go through these in order, but I will try and categorise them. So I'm just looking at them. We're going to categorise these as the negative ones because the first two questions that have come in haven't been great. Uh, so Hans has asked, four defenders on the bench. Surely one of the young attackers could have been on it as he obviously doesn't feel confident bringing on McCurdy or Hoppy on unless it's just to sort of waste time and injury time. Um, Liam, I'm going to come to you with this, because obviously you mentioned with Rocky being back on the bench last week. You know, it's numbers more than anything, but then four defenders on the bench. Is, is there a balance to that? I think there is. I mean, I'd probably struggle to see the benefit in having four defenders on the bench. Um, I mean, even if you're going to switch to a 3-5-2, the most you'd ever really need is one, maybe two defenders to come off the bench. So, it feels like they're there for injuries. I, I do think there's there's something there for me around. Um, someone asked a question a couple of weeks ago, you know, is the manager maybe trying to uh, play a bit of a game in terms of his bench and not using subs, etc. And I do think there's maybe more of the weeks go on something in that. Um, and, and you know, on, on the McCurdy thing, I don't know if it's coming as a question, so I'm, I'm just going to PM to anyway. I do think that the, the whole kind of saga with McCurdy at the weekend... I can kind of understand it, to be honest. Um, you know, as much as I'm not his biggest fan, I've given a pretty hard time uh, privately and on this podcast. I do think that if you're seeing Matthew Hoppy come on before you, I think, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that he, McCurdy should be coming on before him, but I can understand why you'd be frustrated about that. Hoppy's not exactly set the header alight. It's not set the header alight, Hoppy, at all. And I, you'd, you'd have to question what benefit we're getting from bringing him on. Um given we've got four games left of this time it has. Yeah, so it has been... Let's just move into that. So it has come in from John McIntosh. Uh, I think we've all seen it, the Instagram post that McCurdy put on his story. If you've not seen it, it basically says, Chels, he's bird, golf, hips, like in Gareth Bale flag style with a picture of a bench. Did, uh, did, he, did, he not, did he storm off down the tunnel as well? Or something, yeah, something so apparent, I, think, I think apparently before the game he's unsurprisingly missed an open goal in the warm-up and <laughs> someone in the heat in the famous five and I think they've not taken too kindly to it and I don't know instead of him just pretending he's sorry and he's not taken to it kindly and he's went in a half as well is what I've heard I um, didn't see it though um, yeah listen it's not the first time we've had this with McCurdy though Greg this year are you more to the side of Liam like or maybe it's good that he's unhappy at not playing or is it petulant? Um, I'd rather have a striker there that is unhappy, is pissed off and not playing, and just is happy to turn up every week and piss about, pick up a couple of cones, and then sit on the bench for 80 minutes. Um, it plays a little bit petulant, but I don't mind it because he's not playing. Matthew Hoppy's playing in front of him. Matthew Hoppy's dug meat, mate. I think he's not good enough. He's absolutely dreadful. Mine is. And, 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 and do you know something? I don't really use this a lot, but Matthew Hoppy is not a player, so I'd much rather be looking to get our players on the pitch rather than, than loan players. But 
that Matthew is not not good yeah. enough for this club. And the, unless they're sort of seriously contributing, like the ones that are sort of starting. Yeah, right? I mean he's I mean he's not. I mean you looked at the breakaway in Johnston away, it was like a rabbit in the headlights. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing about him. I mean, I, and look, I get that McCarty's not really shown anything, but you you almost need to back your your own players in that. But <laughs> um, yeah. Ryan has a has McCarty earned the right to even be pissed off and not getting game time though. I don't know if anybody has a, a divine right to to start games or or get opportunities based off and basically nothing. He hasn't really done anything for him this, uh, for us this season. I understand why he's maybe frustrated about the whole hobby thing. However, I do think there is a way to kind of conduct yourself and behave, um, especially when it comes to social media. It's it's a goldfish bowl up here with things like that. Like you're never going to get away with it. People will be straight on you, so it just kind of makes you look a little bit silly. I think why why um why why the players delete them? Obviously Dimitri Mitchell done it early in the season and then he's done it he's done it like just keep it up. I'm sure people would much rather you just kept it up and didn't try and hide it and then you know what I mean? It's why like hide it. You know, like if like your 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 ex would put post something and then if you've seen it they'll remove it or whatever. But you know what I mean? Like mm. it is literally like school ground shit. But attention uh, seeking to a degree, isn't it? Maybe there's maybe there's alcohol involved. Speaking of someone who who's most of the time when he does regrettable <laughs> things on social media, alcohol tends to be involved. Um, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's had a couple of sherbets after the game and he's he's thought that's a good idea, and then he's sat down for I don't know what's on Saturday night. Tell he's these at deck Saturday night takeaway maybe, and he's he's thought to himself, ah, maybe not the best, maybe not the best idea. Um, no, he definitely know. goes home and, and watches Chelsea box sets or whatever. Maybe Chelsea. <laughs> I am. Um, I do find it interesting because he done it before, didn't he? Before, mm-hmm. before the World mm-hmm. Cup, and I think Lee Johnson said they spoke to him, and you know, and then there was sort of Johnson had a few snippets saying about how hard he was working, professionalism, and then sort of January time he, he started a few games, I think, and got a lot more game time, and then again, maybe I think someone asked the question of us last week about his future at Hibs. Maybe he's trying to. Yeah, maybe he's just trying to force his way back, way out, you know, and maybe he wants to go back down south, maybe somewhere that he's maybe, maybe. Oh. But see, ultimately, the, to be a to be a man, go go knock on the manager's door. That don't be doing childish things like that. If you're going to be a man about it, like that's the way to conduct yourself. You go and chat the door. You either say I'm unhappy and I want to leave, or I'm unhappy and I want more game time. Like yeah. that's the way to resolve it. Right. Um, the thing is, for all. We've slagged Lee Johnson. Yeah, I know, but you can put you, you can absolutely go and speak to him. Ultimately, as a manager, you can go and speak to him of a conversation. But yeah, I, I I don't mind the petulance. It's just don't make a, a habit of it, really. But yeah. he's only done it twice. So can I can I can I make a wee Harry McCurdy prediction? Yep. Harry McCurdy signs for Reading in the summer because of Brian McDermott's connections with Reading. And we offload them at Reading in the summer because they're in League One next season. And let's be honest, you'll probably go down League One and score a few goals. Aye. He won't be here next summer. Nah, nah, next season. I really don't think so. I don't see it at all. And it's just been a complete mess in it. You know, when you think that maybe maybe we all got suckered in stupidly, but like you look at at least none of us tweeted saying Ben Kenzo's got blood on his hands for no signing them, to be sure. <laughs> Why does that sound like a specky tweet? No, it wasn't Specky. <laughs> well, the person was Specky, but it wasn't your Specky. <laughs> um, look, I said there was two negative questions. The other ones, and this will be one that folk will be just desperate for us to answer. Um, Herke, eighteen seventy-five. What's the point in Jago? Um, Oof. yeah, he went to his own funeral. By the way, some of the tackles he puts in, <laughs> Jesus, he's fucking weeks late. Uh, uh, Joe, I actually noticed a few people up beside me on Saturday getting a bit pissed off. Yeah, them. it was the same around me. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that now people can actually understand that he's not good enough. But I think he'll we'll be the, I think he'll be the reason I burst a blood vessel this season. Like his use of the ball is appalling. Like the time he takes to get a touch and get it out of his feet and turn, you think he had a Zimmer frame in front of him, man? Jesus Christ! I think for me, just like. Again, like this is a good coming out of Bastion, isn't it? As, as always, I, I don't give a fuck. Um, he doesn't look to get involved enough for me. Like I know, oh, he's a number six, oh, he's a old midfield, and oh, he's a football player. And when Hibs have the ball, you should look to be available for your teammates. I think, 
I actually think he hides when Hibs are on the ball. Like there was times in the second half where he was like holding hands with Will Fish, basically. Like get ahead of him, get out there. Like there's a you know, like the fullback's got the ball. The you should be that pass. You know, like he should be there to take the ball off the fullback and then move it along again. And I just don't think he's doing that. Um Maybe you could caveat with saying the midfields maybe look the best it's looked all season with him, Doyle Hayes and Newell, potentially. And we've seen that Doyle Hayes, Newell and Campbell doesn't work well together last year. So maybe he is doing a job in there, but as an individual, I, I don't see it at all. I, I just don't see it. Let's move on. Yeah. Right, <laughs> a little bit more positive. Um, Jeff Ashton, with all the results going our way this weekend, how confident or otherwise are we of third or fourth place? Personally, personally, I would now think that fifth or sixth is a failure, even if fifth did get us a trip trip to Wales or Ireland. Um, should fourth now be the objective? Well, it was always the objective, but you know, last week we said fifth was the minimum. Are we now looking at fourth, or where are we at with that? Luckily, you say, but you just need to take every week as it comes and the game as it comes, and you just need to try and win. There's no point worrying about what Hearts are doing. We just need to make up the gap and, yeah, maybe left it a little bit too late. Some silly results in there, but we can only do what we can do now. But I think fourth, fourth would be very good, but I don't, I don't think I can see that. I think you, for me, and I'll let you guys come in. I think if we can get to the last game of the season where if you win it, think you know you've got something to play for when you're there. Like it'd be a bit of a killer to be sort of four points adrift going into that last game. You know, if you if you can go there and win and you get you get fourth place, and I, I would be pretty happy if that was our position from three four weeks time when that game is. Hi, well, like essentially a fourth place player for the time castle would be yeah. fine by me as well. Uh, be fine by me. It'd be nice to take maybe even a bit of a lead into that just because of the goal difference. Um, maybe to be a point ahead would be would be handy for us. Um, just just so that we don't need to go and get all three points. But I don't. Uh, I don't think. To, if I'm being honest, I, I think that's the best we can hope for. Really, um, is to yeah. go in there with fourth place. I wasn't talk about them too much, but I was really impressed with Hearts for forty five minutes yesterday. Thought they were really good. Um, probably the best I've seen anyone outside Old Firm, maybe other than St Mirren, play against Celtic this season. So. I think they they've improved from the from that game against us where they were fucking woeful. So yeah. no one he was up for them, but they have improved. Well yourself, Ryan, it's maybe don't don't mention four if I want you to tell me if we can overcome such points on Aberdeen, maybe if we were to go and win on Saturday. Yeah, I mean technically on paper we're going to play the top four teams in the country in the next four games, not one at Vitodri for a long time. Um, so that's that's the the next test. It's going to be a big one. And if we win on Saturday, it gives us a fantastic opportunity to then kind of gain some ground on them. I think other teams will drop points. Hearts may still drop points. Aberdeen may still drop points. So we've just got to make sure we're on it. Yeah. And and do do what we can. I would love to finish fourth. I really would. But if it's fifth and we get a European tie, so be it. You know, we've had a bit of a poor season all in. To be honest with you, poor results home and away. So if we get fifth, you know. It could have been worse, and it probably should have been worse based off what we deserve out of some of the games. Yeah, you're probably there. Uh, Ian Borg was Star Wars anti royal. I mean, C3PO could easily be Charles Free. Piss off. We don't have any talk about that, that lot on this podcast. This is a Republican podcast. Yeah. Yeah, take, take, take from that what, what you need to. Uh, right, Dan Taylor. Jago, so do you think he's a stopgap option in the midfield? Surely if the club have any serious ambition, we should be targeting someone better in that area in the summer window. Manager seems to really rate him, but he was a man down on Saturday. Um, look, we've already spoke about Jago, so what I'm going to do is tie this into a few other questions. We've had a question come in on Instagram about targets for the um for the summer. Um, sorry, I've, I can't find the username to say who it was from. Um, we've also had second question from Kevin Wilson to talk about what Brian McDermott's priority should be this uh, this summer. So maybe let's talk about where Brian McDermott should be looking at and if that holding midfield position is one of them. Who would like to take the floor? Liam, you're I'm right. happy to start. I'm happy to start. I think I think holding midfield should be one. I think centre backs are 
got to be a massive priority this summer. Just the, you know, fish potentially not being here and only really having Hanlon and, and Bashiri to call upon. Um, so I think we probably need two minimum. I think centre forward is going to be a big area for us. Basically, a whole new spine. Um, and actually, I think we need some wide players as well, like wingers. <laughs> um, and to be honest, I wouldn't be ruling out looking in the goalkeeping department as well. Um, so we've got a fucking huge, huge shopping list this summer. Um, as probably borne out by the managers, um, kind of not making very many substitutions during some of the games. Uh, and if we've shown one thing over the last year's Hibs when we need to sign lots of players, we generally do a really, really good job at it, just as we did last <laughs> summer. So uh, absolutely nothing to worry about. I am. Um, it's difficult because eh, you think about the summer window, but when you think about new signings, you wouldn't think or you wouldn't consider Ellie Yuan and Will Fish as new signings. You'd think of them as continuations as well, wouldn't you? Like, Ewan Henderson wasn't a new signing in the summer, but got categorised as that. And I think mm. you can secure the A2 at least for another year. Obviously, Yuan ideally permanently, and there's been some reports of that that seems to be done or not done, which. We do have an option, but like that was that's that's always been known, hasn't it? That we've got an option. Mm-hmm. Um, they would be two great starting points, you know, if you could try and even get them done fairly early. But then for me, yeah, centre midfield, absolutely, and definitely centre backs. I couldn't. Yep, yeah, Liam. Unfortunately, fully agree. Full spine probably because it's difficult to see a world where Kevin Nisbet's here at the close of the summer transfer window next year, isn't it? Just forget it. Just plan without them, I would say. Rumours are there was three, I think three championship clubs are up watching at the weekend. Really? He had a pretty good game other than the glaring miss <laughs> on 55 minutes. I think he had a, a pretty good game. So I think they'll have, not that they would make a decision based on that one game. I think a lot of minds are probably made up about Kevin Nisbet this summer. And I think that, that it's good for us that there's three clubs interested rather than just, just one. Because um, hopefully that means it can drive, a, try to drive the price up a bit and we get a better deal for him. Even in yeah. that list, the thing that probably stood out more was his build-up play and stuff before it. You know, you can try to forgive him. Aye. What about you? Is there anywhere maybe different or any players that would even spring to mind for you that maybe Brian McDermott should be looking at prioritise? And do not say Mark O'Hara. <laughs> okay. Oh, Liam Lindsay. Liam Lindsay then. Um, <laughs> no, nah, look, I think you've pretty much covered that the squad at the moment isn't good enough for, for where we want to be. Um, I think goalkeeper is, is crucial. To be honest, I think we do need a, a new goalkeeper. At times on Saturday, he looked lost and he doesn't come for crosses. And then even for the goal, he was just sort of kicking about in no man's land. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I just definitely need a, a centre-half, preferably left-footed. I think if we can get Will Fish back on loan, then I would be okay with probably only signing one centre-half as long as they were left-footed. Um, put another left-back if Jabriya leaves, or unless you think one of the McIntyre brothers is ready to come through, definitely a striker, um, hold a midfielder. I would probably say hold a midfielder as number one. Yeah, that'd Top be... Top priority. Wait, um... Of all the players that are on loan or out of contract, you know, like Magidi, Kukarevich, Yuan, Fish, etc. And you know, if you were is there anything that we would absolutely not want back? Hoppy. Hoppy. Yeah, Hoppy, yeah, I wouldn't want back. Um, Kukarevich hasn't featured as much as we'd like him to because he is a player. I find it strange that he's not really played much considering he's been fit for the last couple of weeks. So. And he was injured at the weekend. Yeah. Was yeah. injured again. Well, the previous and he has been injured was, a lot. I so it's, I would maybe suggest that he's injury prone. But yeah, Hoppy's the one I wouldn't have back. Everybody else, I'd be more than happy for them to come back. I think the immediate priority should be securing Yuan permanently, and then I I don't think it would happen. But getting Fish back for another year at least would be massive for us. And um, given how much he's developed in the short period of time that he's been here, I suppose that he's only going to get better, showing a great trajectory in terms of his progression. So. Him and Hanlon for another year would be fairly solid. Um, and then you've you've still got Rocky there, kinda in, in the background if needed. So that would be my first move if I was Brian McDermott. However, mm. I am not Brian McDermott. So, so there we go. A couple of players that haven't been mentioned there. Um two that are t- permanently out of contract. One, they've got different levels of experience with, with Hibs, Lewis Stevenson and Mikey Devlin. Um should the first priority be getting Lewis Stevenson tied down to another year's contract? 
or should be our priority, definitely. I'm not sure it should be the first. Yeah. It, should um, it should be our priority. Would mm -hmm. we be? Could there be a scenario where Devlin was signed on a prove yourself to get fit, and then he'd be would be signed in the summer? Do you think, or would you expect that he'll just never play for Hibs? I just, I just, I feel we see the point. And what, unless he features him in the next four games and performs, I feel we see the point. And mm. Extending a guy who's not been deemed to fit enough to play centre back when we've been short at centre back. I don't, so probably, yeah, it's probably a no. Probably a no from me, to be yeah. honest. It's just that it's, a, it's almost trying to find a solution to why we signed them. You know, like have they signed them with a view to next year? You know, like what, what? Because I don't know because we've only given them a deal to the end of this season, so it's not. I think it was a purely stopgap. I think for me, if you're going to sign a centre half, you want someone that you can rely on. Obviously, it's a it's a different story when when they sign. It might not work out, whatever. But you want someone with a track record of playing week in week out at a good level, performing well. That that that's ultimately what you're looking for at this club. Yeah. You don't want to be carrying too many players that are injured because we've had enough of that this season. Yeah. And that's probably that that's probably harmed us over the course of the season as well. It's not the main reason, but it, it's a contributing factor. I know it sounds stupid because can, you can I can I just say on Will Fish quickly as well? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, was, I was listening and I came into it was, was I, someone was saying about all oh, the next days of this development would be go and play English Championship next season or go and play you know a different a different style of football, different level or whatever from from Hibs. I, 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 to be honest, I disagree with that. I, I think the best thing for Will Fisher's development would be another year at Hibs because ultimately he's only really been in the team since late January, early February. And it feels like he's been in the team forever now because we've had quite a lot of games in that period yeah. of time or, or what's felt like quite a lot of games. I, I think that the next stage in his development would be to go and play 40, 45, 50 games next season for Hibs um, rather than going to the English Championship where... He might go there and he might have a similar experience to that Hibs where he sits on the bench for the first six, seven months, doesn't play. And I think that's a yeah, big yeah. risk for young players. I think the best thing that young players can do, and this isn't coming from me, it's coming from people who know far more about football than me, but the best thing for young players is to play games of football uh, and competitive games of football rather than go and play in the under 23 league in England, which is fucking dross. I'm just saying it now, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's dug me. I know you love that league, Ewan, but it is dug me. Yeah. Um, I'm always going to be signing players for that, uh, and uh, and an English Championship, which is a, you know English Championship is a decent standard, absolutely. But going and playing like CG and Riley two or three games in the first half of the season, nah, don't waste your time. See, um... see, 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 for me, you can't, you, you can't actually dispel playing games of football regardless of whatever level it's at. Ultimately, that's what players need. If we get Europe next season, that. That could be European football from the experience as well. As far as I'm aware, he's not had that experience, so it's another, you know, it's another level to it. Um, I just don't think English Championship was that great. Um, he'd get much more benefit out of staying for another year, in my opinion. So, um, again, probably going to follow up on this again because I think we're we're having a good discussion about this. Liam, first, I'll come to you very quickly on this one. You're obviously Manchester. You follow Manchester United as well. If you took your Hibs hat off that entirely as a Manchester United fan, would you still be of the same opinion of what the best place for Will Fish next season would be? At I would die. I would die. It was playing next to a guy like Paul Hanlon. His experience, I think, is only a good thing. I think they formed partnership. I think you would be respectful of the level that not only the league's at, but the level that Will Fish is at. I think it's very, very unlikely Will Fish ever plays a game for Man United as good as he's been for Hibs. So I think Man United's job is then to get them the. The, the best move for the player, first and foremost, but secondary is to get the financially the best move for Man United as well. Um, and I think by him playing games, there's more chance of value being derived than there is of him going to Middlesbrough alone next season and playing seven games. I'm just thinking, you know, another player that Manchester United, they loaned Diallo to Rangers last year and done nothing in this league, but then has obviously went to Sunderland and ripped it up. Could a club look at that and go, well... He served his time there, so maybe Fish has served his time. Let's test him at a higher level. Or, but obviously, Diallo's come in for millions and millions of pounds as well. Like that could have just been a, a situation. Well, Fish, has, Fish has actually done well. Diallo looked miles at his depth up here. Yeah. Fish has actually done well. He's looking comfortable. He's playing well. He's scored three goals, which, if I'm not mistaken, is more than what Probably Diallo more. scored yeah. for Rangers. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so that's what I would say then, Greg. So, would they not then potentially be even more confident? 
when they see Diallo going to a newly promoted team in the championship, mm-hmm. would they then go, well, we could send Will Fish to a newly promoted team in the championship? Or it would have to get work. games. It would have to be guaranteed games, in my opinion. At but, Sunderland, Diallo would be guaranteed games. Whereas a centre-half, probably not. And and would Will Fish be guaranteed the games at Hibs Easter Road? Would we be comfortable with him as a first choice centre back next season? Absolutely, he is, he is first choice centre half. Yep. Right now he is. I'm just saying, you know, like going forward, like I I, I think so on the right hand side. I, th- I think at the moment the yeah. backing order is very much Fish then Bashiri. I think mm-hmm. it's a left footed centre half. If we were to keep Fish, it's a left footed centre half that we need. I think we're yeah. starting to see the importance in the modern game of having a right footed and a left footed centre half in your team pretty consistently. I think most. Most good football sides have got that. Um, but I, I think at the moment, the pecking order for me is very much fish than Bashiri, and that won't change unless something changes. That's what I mean. So we wouldn't be looking to bring him better than him. Like, would we be happy with a, with, with, I was going to say, with a Will Fish, with Will Fish, you know what I mean? Like, would, that, yep. would we be delighted with that for another year? Absolutely. His ceiling's above this league, by the way, if he keeps progressing the way as it's above this league. But I. While he's still while he's still going through that development phase and learning, then uh, Hibs is perfect for him, to be honest. Right, well, very quickly, wrap up on the loan players here. I just want a yes or no from... Uh, I'm going to ask two questions, yes or no. Well, I'll go around the table first. Would you like CJ Egan Riley to return next season? Greg, yes or no? No. Liam? Yes. Ryan? Yes. Greg, do you think he will? The only reason I'm saying no is because oh, no, he's no, not going to sit. No, hold on. He's not going to sign permanently for me, so I think it's a difficult one. Uh, if he was going to sign permanently, absolutely. But for me, I think it's so difficult. You might sign permanently. I, I don't know. I mean, he's not going anywhere at Man United, is he? Whereas with it, Burnley, it's different. For Egan Riley, there's a good there is a good chance that he could very well make it in the first team. But Will Fisher's not going to make it Man United's first team, if, so. Yeah, there's a different one. As, as a player, Egan Riley is excellent, but in terms of longevity value, I just think that maybe need to get someone in the door permanently that can play that position or whatever and develop for there. Liam Ryan, yes or no? And do you think he'll be back? No, no, I don't think he will be. Nah. <clears throat> I, I, I felt I don't know. I might be wrong, but I felt like his stock had sort of fallen with Hibs fans in the last couple of games. I don't know why, but I could be totally wrong. But you know, there was I, a lot. Can of I... I was just say I, I I personally don't think he's been played in his best position at the minute though. Um, as good as he is at right back, I don't think we get the most or the best out of him. And um, we could be getting more out of him as a player. He's a ball player, whereas at right back is one of the more simple positions on the pitch to play. You cover an area, you cut the ball up the line or into midfield. So I think if he was to play the Jago role, he would do that and much more. Yeah, I thought it was good at weekend. I thought I had a really good game. Right. However. Just to caveat that, Chris Cadden's much better further up the pitch, so yeah, uh, it's difficult. Oh, absolutely. Getting your absolutely. best players in their best positions, and exactly. I think we would all be in agreement at saying whether it's his best position or not, he's still a capable right back. You know, like fantastic, comes- absolutely, uh, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, you do. Right, next question. We're going to combine two again. It's going to be Kevin Wilson. Half of his his, his first question that he sent in. So, any concerns if we lose Jake Doyle Hayes for the rest of the season? Thought he was brilliant before he went off. And then the sec- what we're going to do as a second part for us is Kirby Nisbet. How do you feel about Jake Doyle Hayes bucking the trend of colourful boots and going for uh, some traditional black footwear? Um, Greg, we'll come to you first. You'd already mentioned Jake Doyle Hayes. Um, yeah. Would it be a big loss going through the rest of the season? I think the midfield has been working pretty well recently. It would be a big loss. Um, he's just so neat and tidy on the ball. Um, I think when he gets up, he's had a run of games now and he just keeps getting better of the game. So it would be a huge loss. I don't know what the risk of him being out for this season is. I don't, I really don't know. I mean, it's what can, I don't know if it's concussion or just that, or just that head knock. But I did think that when he went off, he lacked something in that midfield. Yeah. So, oh, he was good. Uh, obviously, it would be a loss. I don't think Campbell was really up to it the weekend, but. Jude Hayes was very effective in everything he'd done when he was on the pitch, so it would be a huge loss this season, but hopefully he isn't out for this season. Liam, um, I've been quite 
probably more critical than the rest of us around Jake Doyle-Hayes' abilities in the Hibs team, but he's been very impressive since he came back into the start. It was against Hearts, he came straight back into 11 after a poorer game against Motherwell, then he got dropped, I think. Um, but he's been impressive over the last few weeks. Even at St. Johnson, I thought he was one of the better players. Ah, he has been. He's, he's, he's been allowed to play in a bit more of what is his actual position, which is, uh, you know, the bit that we're not giving Jimmy Jago credit for is that it ultimately is there to allow the other two to go and play a wee bit further forward. And it is getting more out of Doyle Hayes, and I think it's probably getting a bit more out of Joe Newell as well, who'd been good anyway up until that point. But I think Joe Newell, again, at the weekend, is very good. So I think when both your kind of further forward midfield players are playing well, I think that does say something. Um, we, we will miss him if he's out because, to be honest, but you can the great first two thirds of the season, but when he's come off the bench or he's played of late, he's not quite looked like the Josh Campbell that we saw in the first two thirds of the season. I think he, he just didn't quite look at it at the weekend. Eh? Like just not to do him a disservice, Ryan, but all energy at the start of the season, and that's not that wasn't all his game was. But he just looked to not quite have that spark at the weekend. I think he'd missed the previous weekend wellness, so you know maybe. Maybe that played a part, you know, but maybe I had to get him on the bench again. But he, he did look a bit off at Campbell, didn't he? Yeah, and I think that's to be expected when you have a young player, you're going to get that kind of inconsistencies. Um, as for Doyle Hayes, I think that we're starting to see the benefits of him playing in a position that suits him, which is slightly higher up the park. Great out possession and very effective on the transition. As Greg says, he's neat and tidy and... We've seen him put a lot of work in before he went off on Saturday and we did lose a bit of something when he went off, whether that was getting about the the ball a bit more or trying to counter the attack more often. He was very effective when he when he was on the park, unfortunately went off. So um hope he's not out for the rest of the season. Well about the the black boots then Liam, we we were actually briefly talking about football boots on Saturday before the game. Uh so are we a fan of him going with the with the black boots? Huge fan. What's everyone, what's everyone's go-to boot? I know Greg's been prone in the past to some different colour ways, but what what have we said? What, what if we could all? What's everyone's perfect boot? Shall we say? I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a Copa's guy to be honest. I don't know. Copa Mundial. I'm a Copa's guy. I'm a Copa's kind of player. Right? Yeah, Copa Mundial, absolutely all black. The Copa's the Empos mate. The Empos piss all over. <laughs> what are you going to say, Ian? Any Adidas boot, to be honest. Nike just pisses all over Adidas boots anyway, full stop. Yeah, I'm 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 with Greg there, but I I I was always Nike when I was growing up. But um Do you know what? A good player could play with Jimmy Grimble's boots and be all right, man. <laughs> you think me as a Puma Kings type of guy as well, you and I thought you'd be all over the Puma Kings <laughs> getting like red, red red Puma Kings as a white strike. Hey, my my football boots are gathering dust in this cupboard that's just in there. Um I've actually got Fucking silver, sort of whitey silver Adidas F. I don't know, whatever they are, slip on ones are now. That no, is fancy, fancy. Cost like 200 quid, but they only came, they, were, they were shite with the stickers on the front. No, like the, the spaceless sticker on the front of it for the Adidas, but and when they arrived, one of the fucking stickers had fallen off, so it's fucking Adidas 2 straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Where did no. I get that with Nike? Proper quality of a Nike. I was, uh, no, I was Nike growing up. My favourite ever boot was the kind of total nineties that had like the black bit in the middle, and they were either white. Uh, and blue. My favourite, the yellow ones. They were I had them for a good few years. I was a big fan of them. Aye, Greg, what TM was it? Was it the purple and green ones? Um, I I currently have the white with the sort of bright red and. Neon yellow ones. Um, the Magistas are kicked in to be honest, but they were they were bright yellow. I'm not sure I'm good enough. I'm not sure I'm good enough to pull them off. Yeah. Hey, fake it till you make it, my man. That's it. Right, Dylan Morris. What did Barry? Has anyone? I didn't notice this at the game, but maybe I'll have a bit of fun with this one. What did Barry Wilkins say to all the bald boys around the pitch after we conceded? I watched him speak to every single one of them individually and motion towards the pitch before continuing to the next one. So. Let's have, we'll have our fun. I've, I've seen someone say that he told them to slow down putting the balls back in play, but I've seen the opposite as well, saying that the fourth official had told Hibbs to get the ball back in play quicker. Uh, 
So maybe we just ask them if it, if any of them had seen his back. Let's see Maybe we was asking them what cheese they'd recommend on their cheese board before a derby. What's their favourite pile of beer? The bike, the bike one pops straight in my head when I see the question come. Yeah, that was coming, eh? Yeah, like, was coming. I was like, I was like, no, did he say it so we can have some fun with it first so I could fucking see it? <laughs> probably, probably telling them his best mate was Daz McGregor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't I know, actually I don't seen Daz McGregor at half time. Splendid as ever? Uh, absolutely, but obviously I can't do him justice. Uh, that's Barry Wilkins' job to bring him up and chiselled yeah, by the so, gods. Uh, just uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, see the ball but, stuff. Though yeah. I don't mind it. It's a bit of game management. Eh, waste a bit of time. Play the games, man. I feel like like ball, 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 eh? ball boys have, have become a huge part of tactics now for some reason. Like, I, I don't understand it. it. I can't. Because Lee Johnson asked Ange Postacoglu, when the players are not asking them what they're doing breakfast, Lee Johnson asked Ange, that is... Do you, do you know those my... Boys, do I? The mind, the, 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 is it, I think it was the Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, where the boy went in that rant about the ball boys, and he was called the right. ball boys, wee fiends, so and so's. That's what they do, they just get a wee fiends, they be the ball boys, yeah. man. That's, that's, that's why they're winning the league, because they've got these wee laddies, and they're chucking the boss straight in, and I'm. Aye, the ball boys is the reason they won the league with five games to spare. It's weird, but like, I seem to remember, I don't Greg said it's a new thing, but I seem to remember Alex McLeish going off his nut. That the ball boys gave the ball back to Italy in the game at Hamden for the Euro 2008 qualifiers. And he was going, ab- like, and he says they pulled the ball boys all game to delay, delay, delay. And then, because was it a throw in that then maybe led to the free kick or something, you know, like Scotland going to set up or something like that? But aye, I seem to remember that. Right, last question. Uh, the game from Saturday, Neil Renton. How much did the St Mirren performance of two halves sum up our season? That's it. That's the season in one game. I'm going to say it's no because you could argue the second half was professional. I think we still had chance in the second half. Um, if we came out and done absolutely nothing in the second half, absolutely, and probably lost the game then, 100% would sum up our season. I don't think we were that bad in the second half. I think we were maybe careless and slack at times but I don't think we're overly overly poor Do we look at um, now that obviously that's seven points out of nine just are we looking at the St Johnston point any different now or do we think we should be above heart <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking at I'm not looking at any of those games differently I, I would say though the, the St Johnston game annoyed me but the Dundee United the Motherwell games annoyed me more mm-hmm. a lot more um, because I think really and winning even just one of those two, but really both of those two games, we would have put ourselves in just a far, far better place where we weren't chasing. Um, and I think, you know, if Mike Bassett was on the podcast, he'd be talking about it's better to have the points on the board because that's a, another football cliche that people love to to trot out. But, I, 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 but it's actually one of the ones that's true. Like, you would far rather have the points on the board at this stage. Um, I. It's, it's a bit, you can go back and look at so many different yeah, things throughout the season. You can go back like, to one point of the season, but especially when it's in that sort of running, if you like, you know, because like, even at the time you win the two games, this the St John's thing game doesn't matter because well, it matters, but you're the top six, it matters for a different reason because you the top six is sorted. And I, it feels like a lot of the time this season we've been operating from like behind the eight ball, doesn't it? And all because of ultimately, right. I think so. I think we have been. I, th- I, th- I think we've made it difficult, more difficult for ourselves this season than we should have. Even if you think back to the beginning of the season, we quite a lot of the late equalisers and yeah. uh, late winners. You know, uh, uh, we, we had more than parity in a lot of those games. So I, I'm not, I don't know if I necessarily that um, kind of blame at the door of the manager or the players, but I do, I do think this season we have we've huffed and puffed a lot in games as well um, and I think being honest if you look back and reflect I think we've been on the end of a lot of really really bad decisions this oh. season I know everyone points to the red cards that went in our favour but like, you know you know, the Dundee United goal the Melkson non-offside goal against Kelly the David Marshall getting bundled into the net again against Ross County or three that jumped to mind immediately which you know probably the difference what seven points straight off yeah. the bat you know like yeah. you think about it it's yeah, it's it's ridiculous it is see um, 
something that I find interesting. Um, and it's not this isn't aimed to bring a negative slant or negative end to the podcast. It feels like the first time in a long time we've not had a question about Lee Johnson's future, um, as manager. And I think, and personally, I think rightly so. Again, Liam, I think. We spoke about it, Greg. You were potentially involved in this conversation. Ryan had been buying his jeans off after Lee launched a pint over him at this point. Um, <laughs> he, is it now at this point about almost already building for next year? You know, like Lee Johnson is the manager. We want to finish the season as strong as possible and then go in. You know, the director of football's come in, have a positive summer and go again next year. Do you think that's sort of where we're at now and just trying to finish strong? You want to try and win as many games before the end of the season as possible. You shouldn't be looking at next season at all yet. Absolutely not. I'm just wondering that like one game seems to because even after the St Johnson game, we were still there was a good three or four questions on last week's pod around around his future. Or is this Let's be honest. He, he's not he's fine. not going anywhere. We've literally recruited someone to help him out. I'm okay with that, if I'm honest. I'm okay that we've done that. Because ultimately it's for the good of the club. Yep. He's not going anywhere, but we shouldn't be looking towards next season yet. That's look at look look towards next season when the season's actually finished. I, I I do think that our opinions might change if we were to lose the next four in a row, and I and 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 I think you know having known the split as I do, think about what Heckenbottom, yes. the goodwill he took in the split, what happened after the split. The Knights are out from first game of the Cup group stages the following season. Um, and probably rightly so because some of those performances under Heckenbottom. Um, I'm, I'm no buying into the... Oh, mate, fucking one of the worst away games I've been to. Um, I'm no buying into the whole thing about Heckenbottom just because he's done a good job at Sheffield United. I don't subscribe to that. It, it, didn't, it didn't work at Hibs. Um, there's, there's, no, there's no kind of looking back with... Heck and bottom tinted spectacles <laughs> with that one. I, I I do I I I do think it's a you take stock at the end of the season. It is important, but at that point, I think it's well, it's important to finish strongly because you want to finish as high up the league. But absolutely, you look Motherwell are going to finish seventh, but they're going to go into next season flying because they know they're all going to be behind after a strong finish to the season. Are they though? Are they though? Well, they're like, going to lose a lot of their best players. Like, as they I mean, do like the, like the, uh, the ethos and the feeling. Sorry, aye, that's aye, like the atmosphere and stuff is going to be a lot different. Whereas, you know, we could in theory still finish fifth but lose the next four games. But you're right, it would probably feel like the hecking bottom summer as opposed to one of building. And I think it's a big four games. Anyway, Ryan, you got any any thoughts on that? Nah, I think I agree <laughs> with the guys. You've just kind of got to take each game as it comes, cliched as it sounds, and then take it from there, take stock this summer. Um, but I do agree with your sentiment that it's important to finish strong going into the following season. Yeah. Just finish uh, strong and I, I, stages. Mate, that's exactly what I was about to say. Like, people are going about Europe and it, mate, well, Europe will be brilliant and I'm looking forward to hopefully going on a trip in Europe. But the biggest thing for me, the biggest carrot is not being in the league cup group stages. It's a massive mm-hmm. carrot. I fucking hate that competition. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. I hate <laughs> the competition I see that stage of it. Just remember the first, the, like first year of the pod, and had it's like it's League Cup. Who gives a fuck about the League Cup? <laughs> and cause he like because he stuck with that after like, the first game. I think was it. I don't what was it the year we could go or was it the it was either the nah Zuni yeah we couldn't go <laughs> and he was still adamant at the semi final. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Say that we've got bigger fish to fry. Uh, no. <laughs> I do. I, I think there's value in the two. The, it's one of the two trophies that you can oh, win, absolutely. essentially, right? So I think there's value in it. But I, I, the League Cup group stages to me is like you need that like a hole in the head because you get mm-hmm. mate, you get you get you get no credit for going. Lose, to, lose, lose. Genuinely get zero credit for going to places like Falkirk and Airdrie and fucking Albion Rovers and winning because fans will be like, ah, we didn't do it enough style. Uh, and we spoke about it in the summer, didn't we? Like, who is it actually more beneficial for the lower league teams or the Premiership teams? And I don't think we came to a decision because we don't see how it benefits anyone. The lower yeah. league teams are having to play games instead of train when they're part time, and it's a fucking lose lose scenario for the for the Premiership clubs, like we've seen in like St Mirren scene. I don't recall anyone coming out of the League Cup group stages flying and having a good season. You know what I mean? It's good. It's good for via play because we know that they love to screen Scottish football games that don't involve Celtic or Rangers. They love to show <laughs> a they love to show a Morton versus Livingston, don't they? They're fucking getting wet at the prospect of that. Right. That, let's wrap this up Aberdeen away on Saturday uh, they've obviously just had their first defeat in a long time with a fairly mundane 1-0 defeat at Ibrox um, 
Greg, score. Should, should have had a penalty, though. I would say so. Uh, was it not mm. a spot, but would it not have been a free kick? I think it was a penalty, like it was fair general assault, though. But, uh... <laughs> um, score for <laughs> It's really good. So they obviously can't get penalties against them. But, um, yeah. Score prediction for Saturday. Um, probably put your hand off for a nil nil, to be honest. Is that where you're going with nil nil? I don't think it's going to be nil nil. I don't think we're going to win, but I'll say nil nil at the moment. We've, we've endured the torch this nil nil post split up there. Jay McLaren, man. Worst joker. Up. Uh, worst Absolute day. joker. Genuinely one of the worst days of my life. Oh, honest to God. One Bad. Of Bad. But, uh, uh, no, just football related, of course. But uh, aye, Liam, we did win there last time we played Aberdeen post split. Christian Doidge scored, secured third place. Um, well, we'd be getting another three points that maybe could kick, kick us on to a potential European spot. Mm, I'm going to say aye. Fuck it. <laughs> Let's keep the good vibes going. Credit to you, by the way, for predicting Mel Fish to score uh, on last week's podcast. And you got a goal. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say one 0 Hibs because um, Aberdeen are really good defensively, but so are we. Um, I think he should have scored on Saturday. And it's been overlooked because Fish scored, but I'm gonna say one 0 Paul Hanlon. Uh, see, when he ran across the front post, I went goal. Should have got no. onto that. He's done so well to get away from his marker. He just brushes his marker off. He's done so well, but he should score. I said goal, but it certainly wasn't Will Fish who I was uh, shouting for. Ryan, score prediction. Uh, you're the only one of us that's able to make the journey up north. Yeah, so I'm going up with, I think, Craig McCurdy and Harry's sister, Bex. So I'm going to hope for a 1 0 win. Um, I say it every week, but it's going to be arse clenching. Um, quite a late goal. Header fish probably, and that wee fiesta will be bouncing all the way down the road because I'll only be driving. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be taking a score prediction of. Do you know Hibs have done pretty well at the games? I don't. I think I've missed this year. I think that seems. Uh, don't know if you know. I missed the derby a couple of weeks ago. Uh, oh, did you? I'm going to go for two nil Hibs. I think we're going to score early and score late. That's, that's what I'm going to go for. 2 0 Hibs. Um, we're all going to be dreaming of third place as we go into the last week or two of the season. Right. Thank you very much for joining us. Might have another episode out this week. Probably not. Uh, and we'll be back next Monday. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>